0: Hey there, internet friends. Welcome to That D Plus Show. Class is in session for the only show from That Nerdy Site that lets you know what kind of quality to expect right from the name. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey, and each week we sit down with guests to talk about a Disney Plus offering of their choosing. This show is made possible entirely by the support of our patrons over at patreon.com slash site. If you like the show and you can support us over there, we would definitely appreciate it. But if you can't, no big deal. The fact that you're listening is awesome. And of course, we'd love it if you like, subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends everywhere you can joining me this week we have Cameron Abbott back on the show how you doing Cameron
1: hey what's going on nerds I'm doing pretty good Trevor thank you for having me back
0: yeah thanks for thanks for sitting down to do kind of a a double header because we're going to be recording this week's that nerdy site show right after this um uh kind of in in these like weird and trying times like you'd think it'd be easier to get everybody together but i kind of also want to like let people live their lives and 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 do kind of the social distancing that they're having to deal with so um uh we are going to talk today about gravity falls which is a a show when i pinged you about doing this uh you're like i've been watching a lot of that so tell us about why you picked gravity falls
1: sure so gravity falls is a really cool story about um a set of twins, boy and girl, who are basically like shoved off for the summer by their parents to live with their great uncle Stan for uh the summer and basically get them out of the house, get them out of the, the you know the city to try to go ahead and um you know give them I think the best in the first episode it said uh they wanted to give them some fresh air. And so they got sent up to the middle of nowhere Oregon up in the middle of the forest and you know, working out of their their great uncle Stan's uh, tourist trap it's just a really cool show about um, it kind of blends in a lot of uh, rural American uh, kind of, you know not necessarily horror but definitely the supernatural elements of rural America Um, I think that there's so it's mostly because I, at PAX I played a couple of games that made me really start to think about kind of the the twin ghost peaks-ness. stories, yeah, Twin Peak, the Twin Peaksness of the world. Like there's a very distinct sort of supernatural element with rural America, like rural Americana, and urban Americana that is so distinctive. And I was talking to my brother-in-law who is from Central California, which is you know small, like couple small cities but mostly rural areas and thinking about like really the kind of especially with how the country is now and everything like that about like the kind of barriers between rural America and urban America and I just have been thinking about that and so watching this show has kind of like re-engaged me in the idea of a lot of the kind of more supernatural elements of Rural America, whether it's, you know, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, the creatures out in the woods kind of fears and mentality that, um, that, you know, as somebody who lives in a city, one of the largest cities in the United States, like, and one of, part of one of the largest metropolitan areas in the world, like, it's, like, you lose that that sense of um, kind of wondrous, Uh, adventure that's out there and so it's it's really cool just to kind of see a really fun show that's about just a like two 12 year olds who are two very different kinds of people but are tied together closely by their their relationship as brother and sister and kind of the adventure that they're having just you know this random one summer
0: so yeah i um uh just as you were talking that reminded me of uh like every summer, my family, um, in particular, my grandmother and my aunt would take my sister and me out to uh, a, like a guest ranch for a week. Uh, it was like our summer tradition. We would go up uh, somewhere in the White Mountains outside of about mm, I don't know, 10, 15 miles outside of Springerville. Um, and we would just like we would go there. It was like no TV, no like eventually my sister and I would take like game boys and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it was largely a chance for us to, you know, go out and be in nature or unplug from the world for a little while. And, um, like that was where we would play a ton of like monopoly and stuff. Um, it was where I, I've done majority of the fishing in my life was, was in those weeks, uh, out the, at the, I want to say South fork guest ranch is what it was called. Um, and uh, and we would have like a great time, and that would like we would play, um, pinochle and make s'mores and all sorts of like outdoorsy stuff. Definitely didn't have like these kinds of adventures, although like it was a it was interesting because um, my parents or my mom and aunt growing up this was like where my grandmother and grandfather would take them so like this was basically like our the second generation going to this place and during my mom's generation it was in its heyday and the and the place was like always packed uh, over the summer and like there was always you know everybody in every cabin by the time like my sister and i were going it was we were oftentimes the only family there in you know a series of 30 cabins or something like that occasionally there'd be like another family or two but largely it was like it was in its dying days um but in my mom's generation they would like my mom and aunt would tell us stories about how they would go there was uh there were like some cabins down in like the valley away from the the place and they would go and tell like ghost stories with their friends and stuff and um my mom i remember telling me like this horrible story of somebody like stepped on a rusty nail and just the nail went right through the foot um and it was like oh god uh uh, (laughs) immediately had like tetanus shots and all that stuff um guy was fine and all but yeah it was it was weird um and it wasn't until i want to say in like the last uh two or three years that we ended up going we drove down the road a little bit and found basically another camp that had just been abandoned to time uh, it was called Canyon Cove, and I remember we went back in there and, like, looked around, and, and it was, like, it was definitely not a place I would want to go at night, because um, going there in in bright daylight and stuff was just weird as all hell anyway, because it was just, like, <laughs> abandoned buildings. Um, some still had, like, wallpaper and stuff, but it was, like, tearing down, and, like, kids had obviously gotten to it, and, like, there was a lot of graffiti and stuff like that, but I remember um, be like... 10-year-old entrepreneurial Trevor wanted to like invest and buy that place and, like fix it <laughs> up and and turn it into to like a a cool place to to be or whatever. Um but yeah, like just those like childhood memories of getting away from everything, going out to nature and and you know, going out there was um was a lot of fun and and like that's coming back to me here with Gravity Falls kind of in that context. Um so this is a show that you would you've watched uh you'd watched at least the first season and you're catching up kind of yeah. on, the sec- on the second season of it. Um now that we've got Disney Plus. Uh this is a show I like I've never watched. I've seen stuff from it. Um notably uh from this first episode uh I had seen the like <laughs> A gif <laughs> of the gnome vomiting rainbows yeah um, that's a that's a pretty popular one it was a pretty popular meme or something that i had seen from from the show uh and i've seen like the art style and stuff so i've seen imagery from gravity falls but this was my first time watching it i watched the first four episodes um uh i don't remember the, the name of the fourth one but we're today for the sake of this episode we're going to probably focus on the first three tourist trapped the legend of the gobble wonker and headhunters um, Just for the sake of, because uh, you were you originally like, oh yeah, we can probably just do the first episode, and I was like, yeah, maybe maybe have a little bit more to talk about. Uh, sure, for for the, a full length podcast kind of thing. Um, well,
1: uh, before we go, like I yep. wanted to say, like, you bring up those memories, summer memories, like surged my mind back with all of my family's fem- summer memories. Mm-hmm. So, like, my dad's a teach was a teacher for most of his career. Yeah, and we so talked. We this,
0: talked a little yeah. bit about some of this stuff uh, on the Goofy movie episode. I remember. The Goofy
1: movie, yeah, being packed up and like heading out. I remember us talking about that. But what I also like, but this in particular, when you mentioned the cabin, like the abandoned cabin site. Um, when I was in, uh, like when I was a teenager, I was going to scout camps over the summer, and like particularly one Geronimo, there is one cabin site area that is actually outside of geronimo that is where like people go sneak off to like tell ghost stories and i don't know it just reminded me of that i just wanted to bring that up but yeah yeah yeah.
0: good good summer camp stories um a little bit of history lesson for this show uh the original run of Gravity Falls, uh, even though it's only two seasons, it ran over four years. Uh, it was, it ran from June 12th, 2012 to February 15th, 2016. Um, other notable releases in and around the, uh, the start of the era. Um, the biggest one that jumped out to me was Legend of Korra on Nickelodeon, which is not one that I've watched, but I know everybody sings its praises and it's, it's up there, um, of course, along Avatar, the last airbender as one of the, you know, uh, shining stars of nickelodeon animation uh, i will
1: say first uh, first season of legend of Korra, stellar well thought out well built basically a perfect season of television mm-hmm. second and third season less so
0: okay um well i've heard people say from start to finish it's amazing so uh That's, I mean, yeah is, i i've like I also i've heard in particular kind of what you echo there at the beginning of like the first season of Legend of Korra is a flawless season of television. Uh, 100%.
1: Yeah. So. so like the second, and third season are really great too, but mm-hmm. first season is by far like just a perfect season of television.
0: Yeah. Uh, you also had Tron Uprising on Disney XD, Ultimate Spider-Man on Disney XD, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, one of the reboots, uh, came to Nickelodeon in this era, uh, runtime, it's a TV show, uh, 20 to 30 minutes per episode. Um, usually fitting that 30 minute episode mark. So it's like 23 minutes typically with a few breaks for, for ads and stuff in the Disney XD timeline as a rough one, because I couldn't quite, I couldn't find like a cohesive here's, when everything came to disney xd but um the the ones we are kind of already mentioned ultimate spider-man had come out april 1st of 2012 tron uprising started in may uh 21st of 2012 uh and then the next notable disney uh xd show that i i highlighted on here was star wars rebels that came out in october of 2014 so um there was some other stuff on there but like none of them rang any kind of bells to me so i was like i'm not gonna <laughs> dive down those rabbit holes Tron
1: Uprising though is super good if you haven't watched
0: it yeah I've heard good things about it Uh, um, uh, the roll call for who's who in this show uh, you have creator Alex Hirsch who had done uh, a series fish hooks before this and he has like an untitled Alex Hirsch project that has been announced um, but no future date set for that Um, and then the starring um, I pulled kind of the, the main four names here uh that I'd seen. Uh Jason Ruder plays Dipper. Uh had done Freddy versus Jason before this and the T V show Joan of Arcadia. And most recently he was a rider in Frozen Two. Uh jumped out at me and I was like, Oh, he's he's Christoph's reindeer buddy. Um uh Alex Hirsch, uh also the creator, uh also voices Grunkle Stan and Seuss. Uh like I said, he had done fish hooks, uh and he'd done voices on fish hooks for years. Uh and then he was um in the very short-lived Disney Infinity 3.0, um, <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Disney Infinity. And uh, uh, he, he's one of the his more recent things. He was in the Anger Birds movie too. Um, uh, but probably the most notable name um, of the show is Kristen Schaal, playing Mabel, uh, who had really broken out in uh, the early aughts with Flight of the Concords and as a Daily Show correspondent from 2008 through 2016 she prior to this she was Trixie in Toy Story 3 uh and then she has been Louise Belcher not Louis Belcher gotta update my note uh Louise Belcher in Bob's Burgers since 2011 um which I think is has a movie coming out well it definitely had a movie coming out I don't know if it's going to make it to theaters with everything else going on these days but um but yeah the uh Her iconic voice has been Louise Belcher, uh, as well as Sarah Lynn on BoJack Horseman, uh, and then um, here in Gravity Falls. Uh, She was also in a show that I watched and really enjoyed, uh, The Last Man on Earth. Um, Thought it was a clever, weird little sitcom. And uh, she is in the upcoming Bill and Ted Face the Music movie, co-written by Chris Matheson, who did the screenplay of a Goofy movie. And we talked about him very briefly back in uh, the first episode of the show.
1: Yep. Also uh, notable she was the psycho page in 30 rock
0: yes yes uh that was that was another one of the of the things i spotted in the imdb but i was like eh it's a smaller little role compared to some of the other things it's she iconic done, so. yeah it's iconic it's fair it is yeah um and then, lastly, rounding out kind of the the more or less core voice cast, you have Linda Cardellini playing Wendy Corduroy, uh, who had done Freaks and Geeks and Legally Blonde, and she was Velma in the live action Scooby Doo's, and has most recently been appearing as Laura Barton in the MCU. Um, so presumably, she'll be back for the Hawkeye TV show, but
1: probably also weird flex, like she's just such a like random pull for like this this TV show, but like she's great in it. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, you when, don't really see her character much of the first three episodes, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's, uh, I was like, I don't recognize this person, but she's, is she the, is she like the teeny girl? No, the, she's the, the girl.
1: She, yeah. She's the teenage uh, redhead who yeah. works in the shop. Okay. Yeah. Who, so uh, she's in, she's in there a little
0: together. bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, uh, that was who I assumed she was at least. Cause yeah, she is credited in the, in the first few episodes there. Um, but yeah, she has like fewer episode credits than the three core cast. Um, But anyway, uh, some trivia for the show. Uh, The show uses backward messages, riddles, and a variety of codes and cryptograms for viewers to crack in order to uncover secret messages. These messages can be found in plain sight at the end of the credits in every episode and hidden throughout the actual episodes. Sometimes the messages can be decoded into something comical, but other times it will be something more serious that will reveal hints and important clues for future episodes or even extra lore on the story and characters. According to Alex Hirsch, the codes for every episode are written out by him and inserted into the episode at the last minute so I saw this bit of trivia and I saw like the weird gibberish codes as the credits were rolling Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like oh that's a cool little thing I'm guessing that can be decoded into something I didn't because I saw that before I saw this trivia note Um, so I'm curious Cam Given that you're such a lore nerd, have you decoded some of the, the secret codes in there or at least gone to, like, the forums that have already decoded everything for you to to dig into what extra stuff is in there? If
1: if you're asking me if I've gone to the wiki before to look at the breakdown of each episode and see what the clues are yep. and where it would end up leading, and also if I've been out, around on the internet to, like, read through theories, the answer is yes, of course yes. I have.
0: of course you have. Yeah, <laughs> Especially
1: it's... the first season when it was debuting. It was... It's such a cool old school type of thing to do for a TV show.
0: Yeah. it's the When I saw that, I was like, oh, like Futurama, which is arguably one of my favorite, if not my favorite animated um, show of all time. Um, Like I love what they did in Futurama with creating alien languages. And then people cracked that alien language too quickly. So they created a more different, uh, a more difficult uh, alien language to decode. And um, just the, the, little bits and pieces that they put into futurama like that that like are completely like unneeded for anything um but they add you know if you if you do the work to to kind of see it 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 adds a little bit of extra life into the show um i love that kind of stuff so i love that gravity falls kind of continues that tradition that's that was definitely the the parallel i made with uh with the codes um yeah uh the mystery shack uh, i basically pulled a few little trivia points here into kind of one big one uh kind of to what you talked about in kind of the synopsis of the show cam uh the mystery shack is based on the oregon vortex a tourist trap that alex hirsch visited while visiting oregon during his er- during his college years the character of mabel is based on alex hirsch's twin sister ariel alex hirsch used his own grandfather for the inspiration of grunkle Stan, and seuss is based on an old college buddy of alex hirsch uh uh named Uh, jesus chambrot alex hirsch based the entire series on the exciting summer he wished he and his twin sister ariel could have had as children since most of their actual summers were pretty boring hirsch would spend time daydreaming about encountering gnomes or solving mysteries uh, and then there's a lot more trivia stuff that I, I could pull from the IMDb, but some of it started to veer into like the more spoilery things about where the show um, kind of yeah. takes the mysteries and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that out there for, uh, for other people who want to go and find it. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, so how does the whole, how does the show hold up for you, Cam, coming, uh, coming back to this?
1: I mean, it's a relatively new show, so it, it still is, holds yeah. up really well. Um it's really cool to see somebody like Alex Hirsch really take the time to, when he's thinking about a show and he has this opportunity to make the show that he wants to make, um, that he does do these little things like puts in the messages, riddles, and codes, and cryptograms and stuff, um, and it really plays into uh, like Uncle Stan, Grunkle Stan specifically, has like a Shriners hat with a like a crescent moon on it and. Mm-hmm. It plays into this whole idea of, like, quote-unquote, the mystery, and, like, there's, you saw in the first three episodes, there's, like, Grunkle Stan is clearly, like, doing something.
0: Yeah, he's clearly hiding stuff. Yeah, he's the, hiding At stuff. the end of the first episode, he punches a secret code into the vending machine and, like, walks downstairs into a something.
1: Yeah, it's, that whole setup is basically, like, Grunkle Stan comes off kind of as, like, an idiot, and he kind of is, but... At the same time, he's clearly dialed into, like, the actual, like, mystery of what's going on. And to see how it evolves over the course of the first season is tremendous. Like, I'm, I think I'm, like, halfway through the first season rewatching it again. And it's just... To know from beginning to end that you have... I mean, clearly he knew he had enough... Like, it was enough of a hit that he was getting the green light to basically do the full season. So he built up the full, first season to fully encompass this idea of like what he wants to do with this and how it's going to lead into other things.
0: Um, Yeah. There's a moment it's it's in the fourth episode, um, but uh, the, in, in the third episode where uh, like they do a whole mystery and trying to decide who's killing the, the wax figures or whatever they go in uh, and accuse like the reporter of murder of, of killing the wax figure. And I love in the fourth episode Um, they, they talk to that character and they're like, Hey, sorry, by the way, that we accused you of murder last week. And he's like, Oh, no worries. Water under the bridge. Like even that's just a small little throwaway line. But I love that in other animated shows like this. Like it wouldn't be referenced, it would be forgotten or whatever. But the fact that they like tie it in, like, hey, you watched the show last week, so it would be really weird if we didn't reference the, the fact that like the last time these two characters interacted, one was accusing the other of a crime or a potential yeah. crime or a, a wax murder. Um, uh, I love that they they did t- like that was the that was one of the first. Moments um, that I would not have caught if I if I'd stopped there at episode three, um, but I like I like that line popped up in episode four, and I was like, oh, okay, I think this is I think this is a special show.
1: It is. I I really do think it is one of those shows that it comes around every once in a while that from top to bottom, whether you know when I first watched it was when it first debuted back in I think it was 2014, as we mentioned earlier. Um, I watched it with my my oldest nephew at the time and he was like a little little like barely over a toddler age and we would just watch it and it's it's a show for all ages I think in the realm of like it's cartoony enough that even scary moments are cartoony um but at the same time like it has a depth to it that is very special and very interesting and is clearly, like, a deep work of passion from the people behind the scenes. And it just comes across with just phenomenal talent, voice talent, you know, bringing these characters to life. And giving a sense of really lived in, like, a feeling of it being really lived in, even though it's such a fantastical world that you're seeing. Like, the gnomes being in the first episode are phenomenal. Mm Mm-hmm just so phenomenal Just the idea of like when you're watching the first part of the episode you're like oh man what are they running away from that's so humongous and huge and then later you find out that it's just a bunch of yeah that voltroned into a giant
0: yeah and i love the the redirect uh, or the misdirect of of like it being like oh a standard zombie story or something um that like yeah when when and it, but they they set it up by having him like pull out and showcase that like gnomes are one of the things in that book so that when the reveal of gnomes comes later it's like oh okay not it's not out of nowhere it was established that it could be gnomes but like they had leaned so far into zombie that i was just yeah waiting for it to be confirmed that he was a zombie um and so when when it ended up being five gnomes like stacked together i was like all right that was a that was a nice little bit um <laughs> Yeah, I like it is a newer show and it feels like it has a very modern kind of comedic sens- sensibility. So, mm-hmm. as somebody coming to it for the first time, um, I didn't. I don't think I knew when I sat down and watched it. This was a show from 2012. I I sat down and was like, oh, is like this must have been in the last few years. Um, uh, so even that it is from like 2012, uh, okay. and admittedly, yeah. like I'm, it's 2012 is like well past my normal era of like Disney and Nickelodeon um cartoons and stuff but uh but yeah it, it it feels very contemporary um which i very much appreciated and it's it it does one of the, it it has one of those things where like there's just a lot of little lines in there that like could have ended um but they they kept it they like they threw one more little joke in there that's not even necessarily a joke but it's just like here's how somebody would react in this um Seuss in particular has has Mm -hmm. a lot of those kinds of moments where it's like he just feels so natural um and he's responding to things in the way like a normal person would respond to like the like bizarre weirdness around him
1: yeah Um, like this is somebody who's grown up in this town who like understands but it's also at the same time like acclimatized to it
0: yeah um so let's talk about oh, some sorry. uh some favorite uh, favorite moments favorite scenes
1: yeah some favorite moments i have is definitely the reveal of the gnomes being mm-hmm. um mabel's boyfriend in the first episode just so good um the the great thing this show does is it misdirects you into like thinking like one of my favorite things is the second episode um which I think is actually, like, the weakest of the three,
0: but... Of these three, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, The Legend of uh, Gobblewonker,
1: it's still really good. And but it, has like, a, the, it had this, a
0: great twist at the end, yeah.
1: The twist at the end is just so good. It's so really well thought out, like... Like, it's true, yeah, no, like, this is, like... They call out the old man at the beginning of the episode for making up something to, like, get attention, mm-hmm. specifically from his son, and... It turns out oh wait, nope, that cause of course the most actual reasonable explanation would be an old man trying to get attention, but this is like the drastic measures this nutty old man takes is that he's actually like kind of a, a brilliant genius.
0: Yeah, it's it's the most bizarre case of Occam's razor you could have. Um, yeah. In the, yeah, and I I I love that that like there's just such specificity to like the old man as a character and the reveal and his motivations and how far he took it. <laughs> Um, that I that I loved it, yeah, because it could have just been like, um, I mean, this is very much, uh, and and there's some like um, trivia little things that kind of allude to this too. But like, obviously, the show has very like Scooby Doo like roots, um, so it could have just been like, oh, it's old man Japers, and and he could have just been like, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you kids. But the fact that he like he owns it and he's like he's ready to go work on his death ray or whatever <laughs> after the fact, um, uh, I like I love that he wasn't just like uh, uh happy to be foiled or whatever he he was and and yeah the the fact that he like created brainwave things or whatever uh to to go above and beyond in the creation of this mechanical monster thing um that up until like they shoot it really <laughs> um you you don't realize it it's a mechanical thing um so yeah i i really enjoyed just the the specificity of the details that they really dive into
1: mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my favorite moments. Uh, the thing is, that's actually part of all three episodes they have. Is like the twist where it's like, okay, who was the murderer of the wax of the wax uh, of un, of Grunkle of Wax Grunkle Stan? It was the other wax figures. Yeah. Who are jealous because Mabel took and like did what she did, and like what I love though is if you remember from the beginning um, of that episode. He says, like, oh, and the prize, like, the best feature of the entire wax museum, my, like, honest Abe. And instead you see a puddle of wax, and you're like, and he's like, who opened this blind? Like, who would have done that? And then I'm looking
0: at you, wax John Wilkes Wilkes Booth, Booth. and you're you're like, oh, it really was him.
1: (laughs) Yep, it probably was him. Or it was uh, Sherlock Holmes, who, like, clearly has an inferiority complex. Yeah. Uh, Like, it's so good. Like, it's just such a good... Like taking the third episode, making it a whodunit about who murdered a wax figure. The cops not taking it seriously because why would they? Um, like, Grunkle Stan like ripped off like a like a bunch of people from the town like screw mm-hmm. him. Uh, and he's like clearly enamored with his own with himself because he's like upset that somebody lopped off the head of his wax figure. Just it's so good on so many levels. It's like it hits so many great points.
0: Yeah, of of these three episodes, that one was my favorite, um, in large part because I loved that twist and that they devote like the whole third act to it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and the fact like that you have John Oliver in there as as wax Sherlock Holmes. You have Coolio playing himself. You have uh, Larry King playing himself. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's just like a weird collection of and and. Coolio again going back to like uh futurama he had done uh, a lot of like voice stuff for Emma, so like i love that that connection even but yeah it was just like the the weird little mashup of people that they got as wax figures um to come in and do that it was just a ton of fun um and and i loved how like yeah homicidal <laughs> they they all are um and then the various ways that um that Dipper and Mabel go into uh, like defeating them Mm -hmm. Um, in particular one. Like I almost thought they were going to do it where um, uh, Sherlock Holmes is, is out there on like the roof basically saying like, have you seen my magnifying glass? I thought it was going like, and then like you hear silence for a little bit. I thought like they were going to come back and he was going to have melted himself with the sun through the magnifying glass or something like that. I thought that was what they were setting up. And I was like, that would have been a really clever, like, completely like throw away thing elsewhere maybe but um uh and they almost do that when they when the sun comes up and yeah and he like immediately melts from it or whatever but yeah i, I thought it would have been like um especially funny if he had like foiled himself by <laughs> by accidentally like burning himself or melting himself with his own magnifying glass um and then like you would have just had dipper going back and like finding the puddle and piecing together that that's what had happened um But alas, they didn't do fully that, but they almost, they almost went there with it. Um, But yeah, that was, that was my favorite episode of, of the three. Um, uh, But I really did enjoy the, the gnomes reveal as well. Um, Yeah. Any other favorite moments you want to highlight? Gosh.
1: um, Yeah. The Grunkle Stan basically like accosting everybody on the lake. Um, Oh yeah.
0: That was a good one.
1: Like, like my, one of my favorite moments was when he's like talking to the child and the parents are like, we will call the cops on you, sir. Like, move away from our child.
0: Mm-hmm. Or you have the, like, the doppelganger with his grandchildren, basically. Like, yeah. And them having the idyllic version of of what this show would never be.
1: Um, or when he interrupts, oh my gosh, actually. One of oh, the, parents, one the, the, wedding a, the wedding proposal? The wedding proposal, yeah, the engagement um, yeah, proposal. Yeah. When he comes over and he, he makes a joke about his ex-wife, and he goes, because marriage is terrible. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like the cheesiest joke, but just the fact that, like, he's saying it to people who clearly are, are in the middle of an engagement. It's just like, yep, all right. This guy, this guy is a dick, but he's, like, he's, a good kind of funny dick.
1: He's, f- like, he's funny. He's great at, like, but the reality is, is, like, what a throwaway like cutaway they do is like he was having Mabel and Dipper help him make counterfeit hundred dollar bills.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Like arts and not, crafts.
1: He's not a good person. He's mm-hmm. a very bad person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's uh like almost he's I, I want to say he's like a proto Rick from uh, Rick and Morty, um, but obviously without like the grossness of Rick. Oh, um, on but, every level. Yeah. But yeah, I think he is that kind of like cranky old character um, that uh, that should be much better about like keeping an eye on the kids or whatever. But I think he even says here in, in these episodes a couple times where he's like, "Uh, like uh, if I were your parent, I definitely wouldn't be allowing this." But I'm your uncle, so who cares?
1: Yeah, I'm your critical, so I don't care. Or it's like after the end of the first episode where he goes. Uh, you know, hey, I accidentally ordered some extra stock, so take something from the gift store. Yeah. And granted, it's awesome because Dipper gets his iconic hat and then Mabel gets a grappling hook, which just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good. Like, and I just love that. that. That whole, like, the relationship between the siblings, their relationship with Grunkle Stan, Seuss just kind of, like, being, like, this ever-present, like, great figure... Um, just hilarious. Like, Seuss, you're so wise. It is a blessing and the curse.
0: Yeah. That was another, uh, sequence. I really enjoyed in the second episode of like all of the, um, all of the spare, like disposable cameras that just immediately start like getting lost or thrown away or whatever. Um, I love how that, like how that, that just kept escalating, um, to the point that Sue's like wait, get rid of him. Oh, and he's like, no, no, don't. Well, I just threw two away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, yeah, the, the escalation of that joke, um, uh, all the way through, I think was, was a fun, uh, showcase for just some, some good old fashioned animated comedy in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting cause like it's, it's not even like a weakness, but it is just Kristen Shaw's like, voice is so distinct that I, and and I can't help but think, like, how is she, how is how is Mabel different from Louise versus, um or or Sarah Lynn kind of thing? Like, I guess Sarah Lynn has a little bit more distinct personality.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, Sarah Lynn's way different, yeah. dude. But, <laughs> like, but, uh, so but, is like, Louise. Um, Lu- I, I mean, li-
0: Louise and Mabel both still, like, both have that, like they're always up to something, kind of thing. I think Mabel is more sincere in the things she's up to, be it trying to get a boyfriend in the in the first episode or, or whatnot, um, compared to Louise, but um, who has who's more chaotic evil. Um, I, I would say, like, I guess, it, I guess that's probably it. Is Mabel's probably like chaotic good, and yeah, Louise is chaotic evil. <laughs> um, yep.
1: Well, I don't know. Cha- I would say Louise is more chaotic neutral. Like Louise might steal your car but she also might save your life. Like you don't yeah. know
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Um she's a wild card. Mabel, I feel like I think it's just because of the enthusiasm both characters tend to have, like the big Louise moments that people remember and think about are when she's kind of going nuts. Mm-hmm. And Mabel is like 100% always at that level of like excitement, but she's also really into things that girls are traditionally into, like you know cute sweaters and boys and unicorns and like these things that are like actually like just like innocent young girl things to be interested in. But I think it's that enthusiasm that uh, the voice actress brings to it. That is just such a, that it's clear that when she's being enthusiastic as Louise, it's that same voice. But for Mabel, that's a constant, like Mabel is a constant excitement. Like, Oh, do you like like my like my hickey that he gave me? Oh no, it's okay. I got it from a leaf blower,
0: and it's like <laughs> yeah.
1: for doing kissing practice with a leaf blower. It's just like it's that sort of stuff. Like so, I think one hundred percent, it's definitely a. I don't have to say it's a flaw. It's but it's definitely something to notice is that when you have somebody who's that well known as a voice actress, um, when she is also well known for you know portraying other characters around that age especially in a show as popular as Bob's burgers and her character being so iconic to that show without a doubt, like you're going to run into that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like, especially in voice acting, I guess, um, where there's often an expectation to do other voices or multiple voices. Um, when it is like the person who's really coming in and doing just their natural voice. Um, and and, you know, Bob's burgers, uh, of course has, um, uh the main guy whose name is escaping me but who's also like sterling archer and stuff um and is just the same voice uh it's john benjamin um like his his is another one of those like super iconic voices where he's just doing the same thing um but playing you know like those two i think are so much more separate based on like circumstance of the shows um but it is still like the exact same voice that he's doing. He's just doing the well, same kind it's, of thing. It's um, his voice.
1: Like, I think this distinction between, and I think it's an important distinction to make is you can have the same voice for multiple characters and still be voice acting differently. Yes. Yeah. And I think, but I think that that is something that kind of people, especially in the modern age of uh, like in a post ice age world that we live in where, you had a lot of people voice characters using their normal voice and acting the way they do just normally, like people you expect. Like, if you were to cast Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken as a character, such as, I don't know, King Louie in the Jungle Book, he's still Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. But he's acting like King Louie. Or yeah. if, if King Louie was Christopher Walken, Yeah, That's one aspect of it. But then I think you get somebody like A'shawn Benjamin, who, uh, Benjamin, sorry, uh, who does have a certain aspect of Archer is somebody who really just like, is a very distinct character versus Bob, who is somebody who, like, I love the the little notes of passion Bob has that Archer just doesn't have in his character, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to actually, like, making food. Like making food to Bob is actually something very special that he takes a lot of pride in and like he doesn't take a lot of pride in his business, but in actually like his burgers being good. He takes pride in that. And so he gets a little excited, and that's where H. John Benjamin kinda gets to go into his upper range a little bit with that with Bob that he doesn't normally get to with Archer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um where you know, and then I think that's the same thing kind of with between Louise and Mabel is Louise can get really excited but usually that's when she's being very chaotic and very, you know, borderline evil
0: mm-hmm. as
1: a as a small child. Mabel is constantly at that level of excitement because she's a 12-year-old girl who really loves the things she loves and she's always enthusiastic about whatever she's doing. And she's excitable and she's but she's also really kind and sweet and like, super, uh, like, absurd, like, absurd levels of quirkiness, um, that, you know, Luis doesn't have. Luis has a pink, wears pink, uh, bunny ears. Yeah. But, like, yeah. that's, that's about as quirky as she gets.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it was so, still, like, still, no, I think like, that's a good point having, to com- coming to this, having seen Bob's Burgers first and watched, m- having, I've, like, I've watched, I don't know, four or five seasons of Bob's Burgers. Um like, it, it's still weird and, like, it's hard to shake Louise from Mabel um, just because of the, the similar kind of um, well, tenor there. But you well, bring Louise up some very, very, an, very solid yeah. points.
1: Well, I mean, Louise is such an iconic character. Yeah. Like, it's so hard. I mean, she's a standout, iconic character on a show filled with standout, iconic characters. Like, hmm. I mean, Bob's Burger, Burger, we could sit here and talk about Bob's Burgers alone for forever. Yeah yeah is, but it
0: is, is not on disney plus so so nope. we won't not um, yet anyway. so yeah let us uh let's uh let's go ahead and uh if we don't have any other favorite moments or scenes um let's uh, dive into the report card uh where would you grade um gravity falls
1: a plus easy
0: i uh yeah i I would say I haven't watched enough of it to give it the plus but it's definitely in a range for me just from the first few episodes i've i've enjoyed um i imagine it's the kind of show i will probably stick with and keep watching um as um as i look for you know other things to do here in uh, in isolation <laughs> um uh but it's like it's something that i could very easily see going up into a plus range as i get more invested in the mystery and and go peruse the wikis myself and see kind of the seeds that they're planting um throughout the Thing. There was one like little trivia thing that I, I looked that I just don't have nearly enough context um, to understand fully. But like, there was a real life scavenger hunt thing that's now at like the basically like one of the the real life types of mystery shacks um, in Oregon. Um, Bill, Bill, not Bill Withers, Bill Hinders or something like that. Some some guy who's like referenced in the the very f- opening credits or opening like sequence or something like that there was like a real life thing that involved like a 2000 piece puzzle and all sorts of like he alex hirsch laid out a real life scavenger hunt that tied into the show um that fans got behind and and like now take their pictures with a statue of somebody or something like that um i don't again i i'm totally butchering what that little bit of trivia is so i apologize if you are like champing at the bit (laughs) uh cameron to to, like i'm not no i'm not that that deep
1: into it okay um, cause I don't um, usually do puzzles or scavenger hunts.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it seems like they, they made like a, like a, an ARG real life game around the, the mystery or whatever to, um, to, to uncover clues. Um, so anyway, cool little, like extra little tidbits for, uh, for Gravity Falls. Um, and I think like, yeah, the, the overarching, like, oh, he clearly has everything mapped out for season one, um. Uh, I, I, look forward to seeing more of it and seeing where, where things play out. So, uh, so yeah, it gets an A from me as well. Um, uh, A plus from Cam, A from me. Uh, so let's dive into the extra credit. Other suggestions from Disney plus, if you like this one, uh, of course, gravity falls shorts, um, a series of like little, little two, three minute things. Um, of course that's going to be on there. Um, big city greens, amphibia. I have not heard of either of those Phineas and Ferb. I've at least heard about, um milo murphy's law no idea on that one uh the replacements the animated show not the keanu Reeves keanu reeves movie about football both um, good though but yeah uh, the 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 replacements film absolutely great um mm-hmm. also not on disney plus though i think um the proud family movie and then rounding out the top eight there was a goofy movie which was our very first episode of this show so um and i don't remember i i wasn't doing i wasn't pulling suggestions from what disney plus was suggesting in our first episode so uh it'd be interesting to go back to a goofy movie and see if it recommends gravity falls um but yeah uh so extracurriculars you watching anything else these days on uh, disney plus cam
1: yeah uh ducktales and star wars rebels
0: uh star wars rebels okay yeah i'm watching i'm i'm watching ducktails and um uh, and I'm keeping up with uh, the latest season of Clone Wars. Um, how you how you liking Rebels? Because uh, we had talked you hadn't you hadn't watched Rebels before, right?
1: I'd watched like the, the first like season of Rebels mm-hmm. back when it was coming out, and then I kind of fell off of it. But uh, no, I mean I'm I'm into the second season now. It's okay. really good. I'm really
0: liking it. Um, that reminds me, did you ever continue on with uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series?
1: No, I did not. Okay. Um, it gets to, it's gotten to a point now where I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Like it, it's weird because I think I kind of binged too much of it too quickly, which is a weird thing to say. Cause I know everybody else was super into it, but, um, there's a lot of like the high school cringe stuff that is like, uh, like there's some stuff that goes on that is like giving me like PTSD from high school. <laughs> okay. Um, like just a couple of things, uh, but yeah
0: it's interesting because because um, we talked about it yeah, uh, one of your previous appearances on the show a little bit and um, and, and that was what it reminded me of because you had you had kind of you'd watched the first episode and you'd kind of made some decisions on some characters. Um, it's interesting thinking about it in the context of like high school cringe because I went from watching that and then I at some point in the last month or so I watched um, high school musical and high school musical 2 oh yeah and those of it. those have like way more cringe in terms of like even just the acting than like i think high school music the i think the show has a much like higher bar of quality in terms of performances oh, 100%. i think um, so um uh so i'm guessing by cringe you mean more just like the circumstances and the situations uh around high school yeah which yeah. you know
1: are are part of high school which yep. is like Stuff like, I'm a 30-year-old man, like, we're talking being removed from this sort of stuff by, like, 15, 16 years, like, like, there's some stuff going on that's like, oof, I am, like, I am, like, I've never been to NOM, but I'm having NOM flashbacks right now,
0: man. Mm, Okay.
1: Like, some stuff, like, it wasn't directly affecting me, but, like, like, I could have made some better decisions in high school. I could have, I could have been a better person in high school than I was. Yeah. That's all that's all I even have. That's
0: that's fair. Um so how are you liking DuckTales?
1: I mean DuckTales is awesome.
0: Yeah. It's so H- good. How far are you in it?
1: Uh I'm pretty much through the first season.
0: Okay. I'm I'm nearing that point. Um trying to remember what episodes I like watched last night. Um uh oh there was a there was one where they did a whole bunch of golfing in uh in like a uh, mysterious like Celtic golf curse land or something like that. Yeah, that's um, great. I was like, oh, this is, like, funny. And, yeah, I'm just, I, like, it's another one. Like, DuckTales and Gravity Falls both fit that, like, this is clearly a contemporary, like, approach to um, animated comedy and stuff. Uh, and I think both of them nail it pretty well. So I look forward to uh, – there. I, I need to reach out, but there are a couple people out there that uh, pinged and wanted to discuss DuckTales. So maybe we'll get, like, another – Brink style episode where we get like a whole bunch of people on the show uh, to talk about how great the uh, the DuckTales reboot is um, cool um, so yeah that's going to do it for this week's episode of That D Plus Show uh, thank you Cameron for joining me to talk about Gravity Falls uh, you can follow Cameron at Rev Cabot anything you want to shout out Cameron?
1: Uh Yeah Um, my final pack stuff will probably be going up sometime this week so
0: cool um i know it's keep, a
1: bit i know that's a bit of a delay but yeah
0: Pe- people people got nothing else to do these days so <laughs> yeah, there you go <laughs> come come check out these previews for games we played a month ago um yeah uh you can follow me at trevor j starkey um i will shout out uh you can see my uh my review of ori and the will of the wisps um really enjoy that game um it definitely had some performance issues but overall like when i sat down and was really thinking about it um It's just, it's, it is an incredible game. So, um, uh, and I really, really liked writing up about that one. Um, you follow all of the latest from everything that nerdy site over at that nerdy site or that nerdy site.com on Twitter. Uh, if you would like to be part of the show, please go to that nerdy site.com slash D plus guest and fill out a little, uh, form there, uh, talking about what Disney plus show you'd like show or movie or whatever you'd like to chat about. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please like, rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, and all that fun stuff. And if you feel so inclined, please, you could always support us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash site. Thank you again, Cameron, for joining me. As always, thank you, listeners. Uh, stay nerdy, be good to each other, class dismissed.